and uh, welcome. I'm uh, Pastor Rafe Vigil, and welcome to uh, worship at New Horizon on that one day in late January where we here in South Florida wear our winter clothes. Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is that one day. I won't say too much more about that because I know we all have uh, family and friends and folks that are frozen in and in the ice and all that kind of stuff, and we want to be praying for those who are affected by the winter storms that are going around. But Welcome, welcome, welcome to this beautiful time of worship as we come together to uh, lift up our praise and to share our love uh, with our God and with one another. So let us uh, come into worship as we stand and sing and praise God together. But he brought me in, oh, his love, Lord. 
seated. So this morning I have the great pleasure of sharing our pegs with you. Um, it's a, a session, a section in our worship service where we give you the opportunity to find out how to pray, how to engage, how to give, and how to serve as a community of Christ together. And this morning I'd like to highlight our Cuban sister churches. We have something every month that those some of you might not be aware of. We have a little jar called Pennies from Heaven. And literally, we ask you to drop your change in there. You'd be amazed at how quickly it adds up. And our pennies from heaven and also whatever you might want to give is going to go to our Cuban sister churches. We have two. Um, we have had the pleasure of visiting one and getting to know the people there, and they're just amazing, so worshipful, so willing to share whatever little they have in a great and gregarious and generous way. And so we want to see if we can help them in any way. So if you feel that on your heart, Please go ahead and add that to your to your list of missionary giving for this month. Amen. If you'll bow your heads and pray with me. As we come together, united in our worship of you, Lord, we pray for your perspective. We so deeply desire to see people the way you do, with eyes of mercy and grace. You know us well, Lord. You know we so often center our thoughts on selfish things. Help us to set aside our personal agendas and our self-serving motives and align our hearts with the intentions of your will. Through your Holy Spirit, help us to be sensitive to your leading in our lives, especially where issues of justice are concerned. Help us to be instruments of your peace. Watch over our hearts, our minds, and alert us to opportunities where we can share the good news of your truth. In our everyday lives, give us your eyes to see all things and all people through your filter of grace, so we can be a positive influence on our families, our friends, our communities, our nation, our world, in your honor. Let us reflect wholly your goodness and fairness. May we, in love, confront and expose inequalities, and offer support, comfort, and voice to victims of injustice. Lord, we offer a special prayer for the people of Cuba this morning. Help justice to be served. We pray the words of the Apostle Paul over our lives, our minds, and our hearts. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so we turn to our worship and praise of you, Lord, with love and gratitude, for you are certainly true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and worthy of our praise. We pray all of this as your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Won't you please rise?
seated. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. I have to, uh, I have to share with you that um, I think I've almost memorized this scripture from this morning because it has appeared over and over again to me over the last week or two in different settings, in different formats, in different ways. This piece of scripture, for some reason, has, uh, has jumped out. It showed up in a Bible study uh, that I'm a part of uh, during this week. It uh, showed up in uh, one of my daily devotionals. In fact, I think a couple of my daily devotionals over the last uh, 10 days or so, this story uh, showed up. And then it shows up today on the prescribed reading for this day at this time for us to share together. So obviously, there's something here that uh, God wants us to listen to, right? There's something here that, God, well, at least for me, for me, for God to tell me something. And so we want to uh, go to Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. <clears throat> Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been raised. Nazareth is part of the Galilee area. So Jesus went to Nazareth, where he'd been raised. On the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue, as he normally did, and stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant, and sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. And he began to explain to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. Amen. Amen. Oh Lord, may this scripture be fulfilled today in our hearing and are receiving. Amen and amen. I was uh, caught with how this began, because you know, we asked that question, where do we begin, and how this began, it says the Spirit of the Lord was, was on him, filled with the Spirit. He began to teach and go around. This scripture, we've, if you've heard it before, you may have heard it said that this is kind of like Jesus' mission statement. You know, at the beginning of his ministry, here's his mission statement. This is what he's going to be about. This is his purpose. This is what he's going to uh, be doing. Um, you know, preach good news to the poor, to liberate the oppressed, to uh, recovery of sight, you know, lame to walk, deaf to hear, blind to see, that kind of work of bringing comfort and care and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. That's the mission statement. He's been anointed for this. There's a clarity and a, and a power about his work that is there. And he's, he's ready to go. But where does he begin? 
Where does it all begin? For the last two years, we've kind of been going through, not kind of, we have been going through a natural disaster. What COVID has done over the last two years is, can be easily, I think, equated to what happens in a natural disaster and how you respond after a natural disaster. Some of the effects are very similar to Andrew or Katrina or Sandy or winter storms that shut down roads and fill it with ice or volcanoes or earthquakes, tsunamis. What's happened over the last few years has affected our economy. There has been shifting in the workforce. There are supply chain issues that have happened. Sometimes you go into the grocery store and certain shelves are just nothing there. Something has affected us. People are, are hungry and people that we didn't expect are in need. Just ask anyone who works with Nourishing Lives over the last two years. Our ministry here that does, does feed, read, and lead um, has changed over the last two years. And people need the support. Mental health has become a significant issue. A significant issue. Mental health providers are overwhelmed with waiting lists. It has been a struggle for many folks. And so the mental health of our community is a huge concern. Healthcare organizations, aid organizations, organizations that do response after disasters are overtaxed, overwhelmed, People are tired. My wife is an RN, and I hear about how the hospitals are, are shorted with staff and how the needs are great and the pressure is on for health care to be provided because so many people are in need. Over the last two years, there's been a disruption to our life. Been, we've had new life patterns and new work patterns and new patterns about how we go about and do things. And let's face it, the church is different. The church is very different. Where do we begin? Where do we start? There's a little parable that's attributed to uh, Martin Luther King Jr., who we celebrated this, uh, this past week, as we should, and, and honor. And uh, Martin Luther King Jr. tells this story about a man who was uh, relaxing by the stream one day. It wasn't a cold winter day like we're, effect like we're here. And, of course, cold is relative, so there are some people who have got it really cold. But this cloudy, overcast day for us, it wasn't that kind of day. This man was sitting by the stream on a beautiful spring day with the cool water bubbling by and the light breezes and the sounds of nature and, and the animals around him, and he was just relaxing in the, in the presence of the beauty of creation. And as he was sitting there relaxing by the stream that day, he looked out into the stream and he noticed that there was a man floating down toward him in the stream who was badly injured. He was bleeding and, and injured and floating down the stream. So, of course, he waded out into the stream. And he grabbed the man and brought him to shore and began to tend to his, his injuries and, and care for him. And, 
of course he cared for him, but as he's caring for him and he, he looks out into that stream, he sees another person coming down, also injured and bleeding. And he goes out and he grabs that other person and he, he brings that person into shore. And no sooner had he gotten there that there was a, now here comes a lady floating down the stream. And he goes and grabs them. And one after another, it continued to happen. And finally, he, he realized, it became very apparent that something evil was happening upstream. Something very evil was happening upstream to these people. They were being beaten. They were being robbed. They were being thrown into the water and, and cast down to the stream. And so Martin Luther King, at this parable, then asked this question. What is the most re responsible response to the evil? What's the most responsible response to keep on pulling victims out of the water one by one and caring for them and treating their wounds? or to hike upstream and face the injustice. The time has come to hike upstream and to begin the healing work. And how do we begin? How do we begin? Hear how this passage began. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus went about teaching. It starts with an anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled up because we don't have the strength and we don't have the power to do this on our own. We agree with the, the scripture, that mission statement of Jesus, caring for the poor with hope and good news, bringing healing to people's lives who are battered and bruised and hurt, liberating those who are bound up, helping those who, who can't see their next step to find a, a vision and a purpose and a hope and so that the blind will see. We agree with solidarity with the oppressed and to, to lift them up, to seek the kingdom of God and to help it roll in. But all of this work, that we all agree with and all needs to be done. All of this work is impossible without the power and the clarity and the strength of being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how Jesus' ministry began. It began with being filled up with the Holy Spirit. Being filled up, if we look previously in Luke 4 and Luke 3, how, how the gospel writer sets this up. When Jesus' ministry begins, when Jesus appears after, do, after serving as, with his family and probably working in his father's business and, and growing up in Nazareth and learning to be a, a tradesman as he was, he appears on the scene beside the river, beside the river talking with his cousin John. And the first thing that happens, what starts first, is his baptism. Jesus' baptism. He goes down into the water. He comes up out of the water. And some of you may know the story. What happens when he comes up out of the water? The Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. Like a dove. And the voice, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. There's an anointing of the Spirit. There is a, a power of God's presence. 
there is a, a unity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that comes together for this work to be done. And this filling of the Holy Spirit, of this baptism coming down, fills Jesus up. And what happens immediately after that? What does he immediately do? He goes out to spend some private, personal time with God. Luke chapter 4 says that Jesus went out into the wilderness. We sometimes call it the temptation story because we like to focus in on the temptation of, hey, you, you know, you're hungry, eat something, you know. But it's a story about Jesus going out to have some alone time with God. Have some alone time in prayer and fasting and being with God and being filled by God and being filled with the presence and the power of God in his life. And so when the temptation does happen, and he said, hey, you've been fasting for a while, you're hungry, you can turn that stone into bread. Jesus doesn't do the, like, oh, I am so hungry, and that is so tempting, and I'd love to do that. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't follow that. He's, no, he's got a quick response. You don't do that. He's strong. He's ready to go. He's got an answer right there. He's got scripture just flowing off of the tongue to respond to whatever it's it's not a temptation for him because there's a clarity, there's a strength, there's a purpose, there's a, there's a courage that has been filled in his life that comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this scripture that we read today, it starts with saying, being filled with the Holy Spirit, having this power, he starts going around teaching. He starts going around teaching. And then when he picks up the scroll and he opens the scroll, what's the first thing that comes out of the, the scroll? The first thing that comes out of the scroll is, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Today, this is filled in your hearing. The Spirit of the Lord is, is here. It's upon me. What filled Jesus up? It's this power of the Holy Spirit. And all of this happens well before Jesus begins any of the work. This happens before Jesus does a feeding ministry with loaves and fishes and 5,000 people all being fed. This being filled up happens before Jesus restores sight to the blind and helps the, the leper to be clean and to walk. This filling up happens before Jesus liberates the woman who has been bound up by an illness dealing with blood and she just touches the hem of his garments. Jesus being filled up with the Spirit happens before that story of the good news being shared with a Samaritan woman at the well. This being filled with the Spirit happens before Zacchaeus is transformed into a model of the generosity of the kingdom of God. The first thing that happens, the first step that happens, is being spirit-filled. And so we have to now ask that question, what fills you? What fills you? What fills me? What fills us, the church, the body of Christ? What fills you? I know for me, it's very common for me to take some of that retreat time, that quiet time, that alone time. And the reason that's important to me is because that is not normal for me. That is not natural for me. I'd much rather be engaging with people and talking to people and doing things. Ask my wife. She calls me the weird guy that talks to all the people that walk down the street in the neighborhood. 
that engages people at the store, you know, always got something to share with the uh, server or the person behind the counter. That's not me. <clears throat> but, but taking that retreat time, that quiet time for scripture and prayer, meditation, and sometimes what I call deep thinking, that's what fills my heart and fills my soul and gives me a clarity. And you've got to be clear to be courageous and to take the next steps. So that retreat time is important for me. Another thing that works for me for filling me up is mission work. And I know we, we all like and do that mission work that we, uh, we do. Maybe you come here and pack or move food around or something for the nourishing lives or you're engaged in something that you do week in and week out, but we still get to go home to our beds and our hot showers and stuff. The mission work for me that really fills me is that stuff that takes me out of my normal routine, takes me out of my place where I live and puts me somewhere else. And whether that's, you know, down the road or across the country or across the globe, anything that gets me out of my routine and, and brings me to a place that I'm not used to, it, it awakens me and I see the world with different eyes and with uh, feel the world with a different heart and it fills my spirit. Another thing that, that fills me is the, uh, the groups that I share with and those that I, I have a sharing time with. There's a Bible study that we share with on Wednesday nights that's important to me. There are other small groups that I have that the people that I, I, I love to share with and, and talk with and, and work with and serve with in different ministries. I also have an accountability group of other clergy, uh, friends that I've known since college days. We've, we've been uh, leaning on each other and holding each other accountable and doing life together for, for over 40 years. And so that fills me, sharing with them. I also like stories. I like to hear stories. Maybe that's why I like to engage with people. I, I love for them to tell me their story, but I also love to watch movies or read books that are about people's stories because a story is, that's what a witness is. That's what a testimony is. And so those movies and those books about real-life events, uh, again, my family gets all over me because I'm always reading the next little history piece, but it's always about somebody's story and the challenges they faced and how they overcame them. That fills me. What fills you? What fills you? What gives you a fill-up of the, of the Holy Spirit? Maybe seeking out a study or seeking out a group. Seeking out a, a mentor or a coach that helps work with you and guide you through those next steps. What fills you? I know these are things that work for many folks. For many folks, journaling. Journaling, as you, as you deeply think and as you reflect on Scripture and meditation and time with Scripture, you write it down and you journal and it helps that thought process and that heart process to work things out in your heart. Or maybe it's reading. And reading and not only reading the Scriptures, but reading those things that accompany along with those. Fasting and prayer, as Jesus did in the wilderness. I've done those from time to time and I have to say recently, in the last couple of months, I've tried this intermittent fasting, and originally it was for like, oh, it has these health benefits, it's intermittent fasting, but now I don't do it for the health benefits. I do it because I have found a sense of clarity in my morning prayer and my morning devotions that come from that practice of intermittent fasting each day. And it has helped me see and understand the work of God in a different way with a, with a good clarity and focus. We each 
each of us need to be filled up. The church, we need to be filled up. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to face the disaster recovery that is now before us. The disaster recovery, you might call it a it's time to refocus or to recenter or to reset or to reboot or reform, to put formation back together. It is time to try to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And Humpty Dumpty is going to look different and have scars and cracks, but it's time to do that work. And where do we begin? With being filled up. With being filled up. And maybe what fills us, what fills you, what fills me, what fills us as the church is the sacraments. You notice for Jesus, the very first thing was baptism. Baptism and stepping into the waters and, and being baptized. I've been a part of baptism renewal services that have blessed my heart and my life, usually on retreat kind of settings. And that has blessed me and meant something for me. Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther the one from the 1500s, he got up every morning, put his hand on his head, and said, I am baptized. And that's part of what filled him and sent him into the day for the work that he would do. Maybe, maybe what fills us, fills you, fills me, fills the church, is that sacrament of communion. Holy communion. That's our sustaining sacrament. That's the sacrament that our that our father of Methodism, John Wesley, said, do it as often as you possibly can. Take baptism and do it over and over and over again. And that's why in a couple of weeks, in two weeks, on the first Sunday of February, we're going to have one unified worship service at 10 o'clock that morning, and we're going to rally around the communion table. We're going to come for communion, a communion worship time, to come together in one worship time. And we'll do that for a few months as we come up to Easter, because we need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the sacraments bring to us the reality, the real, tangible presence of God's grace and God's mercy to fill us up. Because to face this year of resetting, rebooting, reformation of our lives and of the church, we need to be full. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. The only way to face the challenges that are before us is to be full, is to be filled. That's how I propose that we begin. Amen? Amen. Most gracious and holy God, what a glory it is to have a Savior who shows us the way of building up and forming your kingdom in this world. Who shows us the way to liberate the oppressed, to release the captives, to preach and proclaim good news to the poor and recovery of sight. He shows us how to do that, and it all begins with an anointing, Lord. Let us be anointed by your Spirit. Let us be filled with your Spirit, Lord, individually and together as the church, that we might be about the challenging work that is before us, 
in the days and weeks and months ahead. Amen. Amen. Let us respond to God with our songs of praise. and serve in ways that make a difference in your life and in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord.